Hello and welcome to the PK Soccer Youth Coaching Podcast with me, Paul Kelshaw. During this time, I will be discussing many topics surrounding the youth game and what people like myself are doing to improve the standards of coaching, player development, spectator understanding and personal growth, especially here in the US. I'll be giving my opinion as well as talking to friends, colleagues, past and present, who have had a positive impact on my own personal coaching development but whom I also believe are having a positive impact in the game today. Today I am joined by my friend John Stewart. John is currently the operations manager and development coach for Future Football in Melbourne, Australia. John also holds a UEFA B license from the Irish FA. I first met John back in 2005 when we were both coaches for MLS camps and the New York, New Jersey Metro Stars. In today's episode, we talk about John's introduction into coaching in Northern Ireland and our time together in the US. We also talk about his coaching roles on three continents and the cultural landscape of soccer in Australia and his role as a developmental coach and operations manager. So first of all, tell me, how did you first get into coaching? Um, So started off... I just I was always playing as a kid um, done a couple of kind of soccer camps, as you call them, that, that we ended up coaching ourselves when I was probably six all the way through. Came to about 16, 17, kind of knew myself that I wasn't going to get to the highest level or to the level where I could do it as a job. But I really enjoyed the actual coaching side of it. And I had always coached, even when I was 17, younger teams within our club. So it helped out with that. And then um, Tommy Tommy Jackson, who was a former Manchester United player um, and Everton coach and Northern Ireland coach, I used to go to his um, football schools. So he, when I came 17, I went and done one of my, my basic courses from there. And then he, he let me basically be an assistant coach with him right. for a couple of camps. Um, and then from there, it just kind of grew. And it kind of it went very quickly, to be honest. Um, went and done a sports course, which came with more courses. And then I went and done my UEFA B license. And that would have been 2004, 2003. Um, and then I was in, I did the actual Camp, Camp America. So that's how I found out about MLS. So I did camp america in 2004 and i was in ohio and the actual mls camps guys just random guys they actually came to the they came to our camp to run a um mls camp that week right but i was already running camps at the actual um program and said oh you should come and just work with us doing coaching because this is like if if that's what you want to do so they put me in contact and then I went back home after the summer, and then that's how I got in contact with the MLS, really. It just took off from there. That was like a problem. Right, yeah, so that's when I first met you. That's 2005 then. We both did Metro Stars, like in New York, New Jersey area. Yeah. So that would have been – how did then that compare? Because uh, my brother did Camp America, so that's more of a, a general – summer camp yeah so how did it how did it compare was it was it everything that you wanted it to be when it oh, was like soccer full-time 
it was to be honest it was probably your first because it was like i was doing coaching back home before i left just locally and stuff like that but then you you have this view in your head when you're a full-time coach and when you go out there and to be honest the camps when we did the actual camps they were they, they were great like you were with the coaches you were there for a full week to be honest you coached a lot more kids than you than i would now at once like i remember some of the some of the sessions you could have 16 to 20 kids on your own but you were just kind of in it you were doing it you had your program and you done it whereas now we wouldn't even do 20 kids on our own we wouldn't do it right. do you know what i mean but it was just it was just the way it worked out and to be honest it was a i actually loved the experience of it like you were moving from place to place um it would have been probably nice to stay on for a bit longer. I know it didn't. It didn't work out for me. I kind of where 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 it was going. I was like, oh, I'm not sure if this is for me in terms of full time career in terms because of just the way way you were going, the way you were living, how I was working. Um, so I did that summer season, or kind of came came earlier, did the club stuff, and then went into the summer season, then did a bit of the kind of autumn autumn winter season. Is it kind of? Right. But then those time of, like, I know you talked there about having like high teams, like nearly 20 kids in a group. Yeah. And I, I'm sure any, any coach listening to this has, has been in that, in yeah. that, uh, experience <laughs> before. But it was, um, I think it was more a case that, you know, the club would, would hire you for X amount. And I think to justify, yeah, that, that, they would get as many. They would get as many. Get kids. as many kids, or you would have you do. I even remember doing it like half team here, half team there. Uh, warm this team up, then go and help this team with their match. And so it was. Um, but some of those, and again, it was early in your coaching career. It, it does kind of. I do felt that doing MLS, that kind of thing, really and prepared you for for wow. for anything in, that that yeah. coach can can really throw at you so right. from that that time then that short time then in in the u.s was did you go straight to australia or did you go back no home and were I went, so i went back home then um and for about four for about four years i was working um with uh tw sports so tim Tim Waring, who's a guy uh, based in Belfast, he had his own private football academy, working with kids from the ages of 11, or from five right through to six, 16. And then when when I was there, and because, I think, to be honest, like what you were right in saying, because you were kind of with the MLS camps, you were kind of ended the deep end, this is you, you're running it, you're seen. It does prepare you, friend. And it didn't bother me. And, and ever since, to be honest, I could take 20 kids of you and it wouldn't bother me now because I've done it. And right. you kind of learn the tricks of the trade and what works and what doesn't. Um, so back then when I did the TW Sports, it was called, it was from 5 to 11. And then even when we were there, we set up um, toddler soccer. So two and a half to five-year-olds. And to be honest, my experience from the MLS and a lot of the games we did and the fun kind of hidden learning um that we do was pivotal in that like it was brilliant because the kids they couldn't really on they couldn't understand much they could do the basics 
Some of the parents got involved, some didn't, but it was more about just being on the ball, motor skills, counting, colours, but within a game. Right. Fun, fun games, but related to, like, I remember even the games to this day, I, I would still play um, Roy the Racing Car, where you're a racing car, but the kids are learning to put their seatbelt on, they're turning their corner, all that fun, just hidden stuff, which was great. So from there, that did that for about four and a half years, along with my local club. Um, I was a part of that, setting up the academy within the club and getting the actual structures right and coaches involved and getting coaches coached properly and giving the kids a bit of a structure because it was always, when I grew up, it was whatever dad was there, whatever dad was able to stand up and whatever dad wanted to be there. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? So getting proper coaches um, and not to say they had to be the highest level, but just to give them a structure. Um, and then so within, those kids, yeah. those kids then, like the kids that we were exposed to with MLS, it was really, it was either summer camp or it was more of a, a fun experience and after school activity. Yeah. There, are, there may have been some players that may have had aspirations to, to play for their school or go on to play for, for college. But for the most part, they were like, there for the enjoyment of playing so those players in back in northern ireland were you preparing them to play for a a local adult team or were players looking to say move to to england or to scotland and play Um, what what were they looking for so to be honest i would say 99 percent of them were same as the mls it was fun holiday camps like we did holiday camps for kids um from the ages of two and a half all the way through to 12 and it was the same as the, the mls there was some kids that were really good like really good kids they're like wow they've got something and then some are just there for fun just there prepared fun come with friends um now before i before i moved moved on they were looking at like a more a development stage where the kids who were more serious were starting to do more sessions a week so it wasn't just once a week they could do up to maybe two or three times a week and now tim over the last couple of years has started his own club where they basically play under him and i think one of the boys is has been signed he actually came from new york he came from new york he's seen the videos online he came from new york went to a holiday camp in Belfast, just come over for for a holiday. So strange. Done a holiday camp, ended up moving over here, uh, or sorry, over to uh, Ireland in in Belfast, playing for the local club. I'm I'm sure his parents had to get a job and whatever. And then when he's 16, 17, he's now signed for Sheffield United. And I'm not sure if you heard about it, FIFA... Um, there was two clubs in Northern Ireland that got done by FIFA for supposedly not having the international clearance for these players. And one of them was this little boy from New York. Right. But he had basically came over when he was like six. Six yeah. or seven. Done a holiday camp. He was he was brilliant. He could like, he he was he was miles ahead of the kids at, over uh, just his technique and ability and I actually forget what his name is. I must try and find out. But 
then he went through the program there, played for the TW Braga is what he called them, the club. And then from there, he was picked up to go over to England. And he, and he ended up signing a pro contract. But I think when that pro contract got signed, they looked, they obviously, FIFA looked back and they said, oh, he wasn't eligible to be playing for that TW Braga. They're like, well, he was there since he was nine. I don't think he needed international clearance. But he ended up, FIFA uh, fined him. And I think it was like the, up, I think it was like upwards of nine or ten thousand pounds. That's fine. Jeez. So he ended up getting like a go go fund page, and people and I even paid myself to to donate <laughs> because it was actually going to put him under. And he's like, oh, I, I, and even like the Irish FA, they actually got they actually got involved to say, come can, can this be like why even get after this club? Because he played for another junior club in Northern Ireland, and they went after them as well. But these clubs are. They're, yeah. they're nobodies. Do you know what I mean? So did that have any doing it in you then moving away? Um, it- so moved away. So 2009 for me, it was kind of, to be honest, I got that taste when it was in New York and the coaching and that kind of experience. And I think it was kind of, I, w- I was always wanting to go back or go back and do something. And I'm not sure I kind of had a, did I miss out on something or I was still looking at the guys over there and what they were doing. I'm like, oh, I could still be there. And you be like and I was I was a bit older. Um I was 25 and then my uncle lived in Australia in, in, in Melbourne. And she says, Oh, why don't why don't you come out here? There's there's a lot of football. You can get involved in coaching and also playing. Um so I come out to be honest, I basically packed up and left. I had no, I had no return ticket. <laughs> I was like, I'm going. So you didn't have anything lined up. There was no job or anything lined up. You just, just went. I'm like, I'm just going to do this. I've got, I've got my uncle to go to, and I can stay with him for as long as I wanted. I kind of, I looked at where he lived, and there was a lot of clubs, and I've done a lot of research, but it's hard to find too much out about them until you're there. And I'm like, oh, right. I'm just going to do it. If I don't do it now, I'll never do it. So basically, I got a one-way ticket and flew out. That was it. So, so how did? What was your first role then? Were you going with the anticipation that you were going to get a coaching job? Room? Well, I was going to look to play. So I spoke to a couple of clubs about playing, um, and possibly coaching for their teams or coaching within their clubs. And uh, but when I got here, what they were talking about and what was it was diff- they're totally different. Do you know what I mean? So, like, but not like the money in football here for even playing is is mad. Like, there's like now I'm I'm here so long now, but there's players playing here that are not even wouldn't even be semi professional. They're training twice a week, and they're getting the guts probably upwards of seven hundred to a thousand dollars in their hand cash to train and play twice a week. It's mad, and there's no money in the actual prize money of it. So, if your team wins the league, if you're in the in the high end, and your team wins the league, there's probably thirteen thousand dollars to win the league. But they've got budgets of half a million to pay these players. Right, so, right. it's more about over here. It's very um, ethnic backgrounds, kind of, kind of the way of thinking it. Like there's 
when, when I first came, it was weird. I was playing in um, Elwood, which is by the beach, but it's a Portuguese club. And then we're playing against a club next to us, which is a Scottish club background, Ma- Macedonian, Ukrainian, uh, all over, like all over the. Uh, and when you go there, it's it's the food from those countries. Their 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 kits look like that. They all speak the language, and you're like, "Am I in Australia?" Or it's kind of It'd be good then that a player's getting that kind of money, but then it's also then somewhat of a deterrent to some of those uh, players from those ethnic ethnic groups to uh, to then pursue a professional career because they probably earn they would start off on less. Yeah. So it's uh would and that's even the case here as well. It's now like there's players who are playing because there is no good because we have the A League here, it's only the A League and then you've got the call the National Premier Leagues. But you can't go up or down. You can't get there. You've got to be able to be promoted. You you, you can't promote. So they, they are trying to get a second league. But there's players that are in the A league, which is the top league, earning less money than players that are in this in the third division in Australia here. They're getting paid more. It's weird. So it was kind of that. But then like to go back to my coaching role, the first one was basically, um, it was a program called football star so they were very small um in the bayside area um where i lived and i started off basically one of the guys who was working there i basically just seen their car i was living i moved i actually moved moved out of my uncle's place and we was living in um a hostel with friends so it was that kind of hostel and we were all we we're all going to get a house together so we're living in a hostel and basically the car drove past the car that um, had all the the branding and the football yeah. star and the stuff. And I kind of drove past and I just took a, f- a photograph and went, oh, I'll give him a call. And by that weekend, I was there coaching. And they said, oh, I think it was more because of what it did previously. Yeah. They were like, oh, brilliant. And it was it was kind of not through the deep end. It was kind of, can you coach? Yeah. Can you do the session? Yeah, no problem. It was easy. It didn't bother me. Um, and from then, within the space of probably... A year, I went from doing probably 20 hours to I got offered a full-time job. So that was my first full-time job, which in football, here even still now, it's 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 unheard of. But it wasn't all coaching. You were doing the admin. You were working with the schools. You were kind of operations behind the scenes, but also coaching. Yeah, well, there's... Um... Similar to I'm in a position like that myself, and majority of coaches that are calling it a full time profession, that's what you have have to do. It's all it's part of the uh, part of the deal to be able to to provide the programs for the players, and it, so it's. Um, but then it also gives you the avenue that when you do get older, into you could still be involved in the game. You know. So that's I always see it as somewhat as a as a positive. Yeah, sometimes you may might want to be going through through spreadsheets or making phone calls and but the uh it's those things that you know can help people like you and myself have careers in the game that we probably wouldn't have had yeah back in our home countries. So then that 
How long did you work for that organization for? So basically it went very, so basically from 2009 to 2018, I was head coaching um, operations manager, but we went from possibly having 60 to 80 kids um, about a year, about a year and a half after um, Jesper Olsen came on board. So Jesper was at United with Ajax and played in the World Cup, stuff like that. So he came on board as our director of football and myself and him over the over those six or seven years, kind of we kind of built it with the other coaches and it became a national program. So he went, so the guys went into franchises. So franchises were being sold like all over Melbourne, all over Australia. Um, and it got it got, it got it got huge. But what I found was it was going. They started developing other sports, so it was like uh, AFL, which is the Aussie rules here, and they do basketball and cricket. So it was kind of. But I wasn't involved in that. But I was involved in the operational side of getting it set up for them because I'd done it with the the football because we had built it from sixty kids to. I think at the at the highest point before I left, there was probably three and a half, four and a half thousand kids a week. So and if they're that's a lot of kids. So if they're, but again, was it really looking at that that player that's just looking for a fun activity similar to what you've done in yeah. in Ireland and then in and in the US? Yeah, it was more. It was ma- It got to that stage where it was mass. Like they were going for mass of kids from five it was mostly kids from five to 12 from 12 to 15 you got smaller numbers because they kind of drop away and whereas myself and Jesper that's where we kind of got disconnected because it was it was more about mass I was about yes development of kids not to say that the kids were going to make it to the highest level but I wanted to give them the best experience I wanted to have different different levels within the age groups so yes the ones who are just coming in they can get training and they'll, they'll definitely love it and they enjoy it but the ones who are a bit more serious even at that young age well they can get a more advanced training style um, but you probably also now you're in a different you're a little bit more mature different time in your career you're probably looking for something more um more from like a, a coaching career so yeah. from from that position then, what what was next? So from then, so basically 2018, um, myself and Jesper, we stepped away. So we stepped away to start um, Future Football. So Future Football is, we still do because it is um, the day-to-day, we still do the younger age groups. Um, we do the holiday camp stuff as well, but we do more elite training also. So we do offer um, our elite development program where it is for kids that are serious, kids that are handpicked to enter, to join. Okay, so okay. you can't just join it. You have to um, apply to be in the program. And that's from from nine upwards. So we do like a nine to 11 year old version. Um, and then we do a 12 to 16 year olds version for that we do this this year um we've started up with another thir- 13 academies around melbourne which is called the P- 
Premier Academy League. So we'll have teams from within our programme play against other other academies from all around Melbourne. And it's so, yeah, go ahead. Go on. Who are you, what are you preparing these these players for? What what's the next step for them? For them, you just you'd explained how it was a little bit chaotic with like yeah. the uh, the ethnic leagues and and then the different that there was no real progression to the A league. So how what were they looking yeah, so looking to do so, with those players? Yeah, so for us, so what it is, we want to get them because what we what you find here with the clubs, they're community club based or you've got the junior MPL clubs. So the clubs who are in that MPL section, they have to have um, junior sides to be able to be in. But what you find with that is it costs so much money because the money that they charge the kids, it goes to pay for the right. seniors, okay. which I think is wrong. It should stay within, if they're paying that money, well, it should stay within theirs, but that's not how it works it's so we don't work with those clubs we work with a lot of junior clubs as we call them who have the need support in terms of coach development player development but with our coaches and our own programs we want to give them the best possible opportunity to develop within a professional program and then because we have now we've got the links with um ix uh, we do the talent ID camps as well, where we identify players from all over to come and join the IX program, and they'll they'll come and they'll be coached by the IX coaches. From there, they can be selected to have a full scholarship at Sydney FC. Now, Sydney FC is um, one of the A League clubs. It's probably been one of the biggest A League clubs, I would say, from the start. So, their IX is partner club here in Australia. Okay. So how it works is we would identify players. They'll come into the IAX program to do the camps. The IAX coaches, they'll come over, they'll train, and then if they think any are good enough, they'll be selected to go to uh, Sydney for a week where they tra- they'll basically train with the academy sides up there in Sydney. Now, if they're selected, they'll get a full scholarship, schooling, housing, everything, and they'll move to Sydney. So those kids would move, but they're young. They'd be, it's from under 13s up to under 16s. And they'll be. Right, in- so, you're, so working with them, um, they must be then pretty like high quality players. If, if you're then asking families to, to, yeah, to move because Melbourne to, be to Melbourne to Sydney is not, it, it's, it's a decent trick. Oh, it's, it's probably, it's about an hour's flight, but in terms of you moving, it's a big thing. Yeah. Yeah. Move. And especially for for a young child to move as well. Do you know what I mean? But that's one of the things when when the Ajax coaches come out and they work within the Ajax academy, so they know the level. So Ajax are basically they're working with um, Sydney FC to then their ideal scenario is to find a player from Sydney or within Australia that then can go to Ajax and train and be a part of the academy. And hopefully one day get through to the. That's that's their that's their actual aim is to do right. that. Um, they said it might take 10, 15, 20 years. And it, it might never happen. But if they can get one, well then that proves that being here. And if not, then at least they know that they're they're helping and they're they're developing and they're very very big in that. 
Do you know what I mean? Well, I'm sure then if you're saying that that players have to um, apply to do it when your your previous roles was really basically just take as many kids as we can, yeah. uh, whereas this now is is more selective, and then but then that there are then opportunities where it's where there are scholarships and it's subsidized programming and then there is like um although it might be um a very narrow path there is still a path to to playing professionally or that there is like a higher level and and then the link then with with Ajax is if they're sending coaches over and then there is although although an Australian may never never move and play for for Ajax in it, but at least there's um, it's showing something like you said. It, it might take twenty five years. So it 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 seems then now that um, you're working with these top quality players. What are some, what are the training facilities like that you work with? Um. So for the programs like for the younger age groups, it's kind of be very similar to what it was in the MLS, some of them, for the younger ones. But for our yeah, premium yeah. program that we do, um, we work at a lot of, we've got a lot of local schools, but a lot of our, our main programs or the programs we run, the Ajax programs or our premier program from, would be at our private school facilities. Now, these facilities are like second to none. You wouldn't get, like it's, like at the, at the, even at the weekends, like so, we have a program um, in Brighton, which is at a, at a, a private school, and it's like carpet. They've got full full time grounds, man. It's cut every day. It's watered constantly, and the kids are coming on, going, "Is can we wear boots?" I said, "You can wear boots. Yeah, it's fine." But it's 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 perfect. It's gorgeous. Do you know what I mean? And then for the Ajax programs, um, we have now it's big here. The uh, synthetic surface is big here because it can be used a lot and then because of it gets really warm the grass doesn't get destroyed do you know what I mean so right. we use those facilities where they've got changing rooms the gold whatever they need golds equipment physios the lot so it is they do pay a bit more but they're getting one they're getting professional coaches but where they're coaching where they're being coached is top level it's the best of like in terms of surface which i think for us especially for the kids especially first and foremost the surface has to be decent because there's yeah. we've all played in those park pitches where you lose a ball down a hole or right, right, it's right. dodgy and it's you know what i mean so the facilities that way um but i think what we have found over the years and with with the the players and stuff is because of the actual service they get in terms of the coaching, the actual professional like of it all, and how we interact with the players and the coaches, and we're very honest with the kids. Like, we're not going to sell them a dream because I don't think that's right. You have to be honest with the kids and give them like a proper understanding. Um, and it's not to say that they might make it, or everyone has a. I I do feel that everyone's got a different pathway. They might make it on our journey, but then they might come back around and go a different way. But if we can give them the base, give them the tools to start and get them get them going, and have them tra- training and actually thinking in the right way, well, I think they can. Regardless of what level they get to, they'll be able to look after themselves. 
So how does the season work? Are you now coming towards the end of the summer? No, so we're coming. Yeah, so our summer's coming. Our summer's ending here. Yeah. And then we're coming into the football season. So our season's about to start. So kids are all doing pre-season. So we go March, March to September. And then that stops, which is which is a big thing. When we work with the clubs, they basically do March to September. But for our programs, we go all year round. So, right. and that's a big thing for us. So the kids will work with us from January to December, but they'll play for their clubs um, April to September, which is, I think is a big a big issue here because the kids don't do some sometimes in some cases for five months of the year they'll not play the sport again they'll go and play cricket it's a massive here that's so, what i was going to ask because uh we're briefly coaching in the u.s where you've got the distraction of say basketball or baseball and now in australia i'm sure i was going to say i'm sure rugby and cricket are are big sports yeah. So you're saying that you do like, lose a lot of people to cricket. Cricket, you definitely could, but the seasons don't clash. There are different seasons. Do you know what I mean? So That's... cricket starts October, finishes probably now. Finals are on now for cricket. And then football would start. What we have, it's strange, I didn't realise until I came here. Melbourne, rugby's not big in Melbourne, which I thought would it would be huge because Australia's so good. But in Queensland or New South Wales, it's massive. It's huge. It's number one. But down in Melbourne, you've got AFL, which is the the Aussie rules. Okay. It's huge down here. And because most of the teams are from here in the league, the, they're mostly down here. They mostly play here. And it runs the same time as the football season. Well, they actually call it football. We call it soccer because what they call that, they call AFL for football. Okay. Um, so that that runs the same as soccer, same season. So you do lose a lot of kids. It doesn't clash when they're younger because it's Saturdays and Sundays. But when they get to twelve and thirteen, both of the sports have their games on Sundays. So the kids have got to pick which one. And then I know you're doing your your way for B relatively early, uh, early yeah. in 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 Ireland. Have you had any exposure to? Australian courses and coach education. Yeah, I've done I've done a lot of it to be honest. Um, did a couple of the refresher courses for the FFA B license, which I thought I had to do because of my UEFA. But then I found out I didn't need to. I was doing enough coaching and stuff, and doing a lot of courses and stuff online and uh, conferences. Here, what I found to be honest, it's very very book orientated, like online kind of. When I went to do the refresher B, um, probably a couple of years ago, um, the Australian version, just to go on it to see, um, we spent more time in the classroom than we did on the pitch. And you have to follow a certain way. And it's kind of, when you're coaching, you have to be able to sit, you have to have, say it this way and do it that way. And if you don't, if, Whereas I'm kind of, okay, if I've got a an objective got to get to, yes, I can go certain ways, but as long as I get to that objective and the kids are learning, they're developing, well, I think that's whereas their view is you have to coach this way and be able to coach that way, and that's it. 
Yeah, well, that's I guess the beauty of you know you've coached on three continents. Yeah. So trying to uh, uh, in three different times of your life. So yeah. really com- combining all those uh, all those experiences and then becoming yourself as a coach probably then makes you unique, and that's how you know you can be of the biggest benefit to the players. Yeah. John, this has been a it's been excellent hearing your story and catching up again. Um, I wish you all the best for the start of the new season. Definitely, mate. Appreciate it. It's been 16 years since I last talked to John, and it was a pleasure to talk with him today. Although his time in the US was brief, I knew he had a future in soccer, especially the youth game. It's rewarding to hear the stories of him helping young players in New York, New Jersey, Belfast, and Melbourne. I still can't believe he literally bought a one-way ticket and never looked back. Although John will never forget his roots, it's evident to see that he's having a big impact on the lives of the youth players in Melbourne, Australia. John has surrounded himself with good coaches and mentors that have helped him become a quality coach who has put, always puts the player first. Thank you for listening to the PK Soccer Podcast. Don't forget that you can follow me on Twitter at Paul Kelshaw, Instagram at Paul Kelshaw, like my Facebook page at PK Soccer Inc., or send an email, paulkelshaw at pksoccer.org. I would also be grateful if you could give the podcast a review and a rating and share with your fellow coaches and friends. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.